0: You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities.
1: I know a lot of people think, oh, the gold standard it, it has never worked. The reason is very simple. You can't fix the value of money and then allow everything else
0: to float. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Bill Powers, and in today's show, we're going to be talking about macroeconomics, what's going on in society, and how does that impact us as investors and potential investments, and not only investments, but the way we live our lives, uh, because things have sure been in an upheaval, especially since mid-March, and no one better to talk to those things about than Martin Armstrong of Armstrong Economics. The website is armstrongeconomics.com. is a social and economic analyst. Martin, it's your first time on the show, so thank you for joining me. And as you look at the world today, what time in history does this most remind you of?
1: Well, a combination of a little bit of the Great Depression, um, in the sense that you have a what we call a paradigm shift within the economy. Uh, a lot of people don't realize, but the Great Depression, if you look at it, uh, 40% of the people were still farmers in 1900. And the combustion engine allowed tractors and things of this nature. So it's kind of like the Internet putting small stores out of business. The same sort of thing was happening there. So uh, then you had the Dust Bowl, and and that's why unemployment went to like 25 percent, because you really wiped out a significant area that people were employed in. And by the time you get to 1980, only 3% of the people are employed in, in agriculture. Uh, the same thing happened before with the railroads, you know, displacing, you know, uh, really like Wells Fargo, you know, coaches and things of this nature. You always have these shifts. Um, and, you know, it's been referred to by um, Schumpeter as, you know, creative destruction. That you're creating a new paradigm, um, a new industry, but you're destroying the the old, and so that's yeah, kind of what's going on uh, economically. We do have um, significant divergences in the stock market indexes. So you have the Nasdaq making new highs, the Dow can't even get past, you know, basically the mid-level resistance um, because you're you're wiping out the old. I would say, brick and mortars uh, type stores. I mean, even at Christmas before this um, virus attack, uh, we you know, it was the first time that mall stores actually lagged behind online. So uh, it's you're shifting uh, in that direction. So we're losing a lot of the small businesses um shopping malls, things of this nature. You know, you have, you know, JC Penny and Neiman Marcus in trouble. I mean, Hertz went down. I mean, so it's it's a lot of the old world is kind of collapsing and it's shifting, which is why you see like the NASDAQ making new highs. But it's only been the the, the high profile ones have been dragging along like Amazon, et cetera. So it you know, you have to look at it from a broader perspective. If we look at the market as a whole, uh, for example, the Russell 2000, that peaked in August of, of 2019. And you can see that the actual broader market has been declining. It has not been making new highs. So people get a little confused with the NASDAQ, all oh, the stock market. It's not everything. Uh, it's just this paradigm shift. So that's why I say it's it's from that perspective economically, it's it's sort of like the Great Depression. Uh, and then you have these people that are um, seem to be, honestly, a coordinated effort to uh, bring this climate change to a head, and they've been using this virus to do so. Um, you can find on YouTube, uh, World Economic <clears throat> uh, Forum has been putting out, the, they call it the Great Reset. Um, and you have a lot of these people, our problem is that they're academic, and They never leave the office to see how the economy works or ever to talk to anybody. They don't just talk to each other and pat each other on the back. And they sit there and they look at us as these stupid unwashed. And we're not worthy to speak to because they know better. So we have these people out here actually promoting and saying that we're going to wipe out all the fossil fuel and we're going to start fresh and <clears throat> create a green new you know, um, environment. And they have no idea the implications of that.
0: Or do they? And that's why they w- want to do it, because it ultimately brings them more control, doesn't it?
1: Yes. And, and you do see, for example, Spain uh, took the lead in creating this guaranteed basic income you know, they think that, okay, fine, they can wipe out your job. And here we'll give you a welfare check, which is barely, you know, subsistence. And you just, just stay home and watch TV and you should be happy. This is what they think of us. So um, our computer's been showing, you know, rising civil unrest. I mean, not everybody can do that. You know, you, you need some mental stimulation doing something. Um, and uh, so I think, we're headed to a lot more civil unrest globally, uh, and it's, it's fighting back against these really these arrogant, um, extremely arrogant people who think that they can redesign the world exactly as Karl Marx.
0: In that regards, do you see some of the Bolshevik revolution elements at play in the world today?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, this is really what it is, except they're doing it cleverly by bribing all the politicians, Um, I mean, you look at Merkel in Germany, we'll help the companies that are green, but those that are not, you know, let them die on the vine, basically. Uh, You have uh, activists really in a very extremely coordinated way. They have bought shares in various funds, and then they go there and demand that the fund divest everything from China because China will not listen to them. So um, they are trying to create... Economic war basically against China. Um, it's not the US government, it's these activists. And they think if they can force pension funds and fund managers to divest from China, that will force China to comply with their demand.
0: And it's just absurd, really is absurd. What do you think uh, about the U.S. dollar? There was a push, I believe, for the digitization of it. Do you see the U.S. dollar being completely di- digital in the near future?
1: Yes, but um, it, I mean, to, to a large extent, it depends also upon who wins this election. Um, the Democrats tried to sneak that in because the Democrats are in full alignment with those in Europe uh, and to it. Explain the digitization. It's not really dominant in the United States. And because we have a different culture. I mean you if you get a you know a one dollar bill from eighteen sixty one, you can still spend it. It's still legal tender. We have never canceled our currency. Whereas that's not true in Europe. Um you know, the governments have changed so many times, but besides that, they've had a, an active policy of canceling the currency all the time. I mean, even the British pound, if you have a 10-pound a note from 25 years ago, you can't spend it. They've canceled it. Um, they cancel the coins. So Europeans are more likely to say, oh, OK, fine. Yeah, this, they're going to do this again. They've accepted it. Uh, so... <clears throat> The problem we really have on a major, major scale is that they have uh, the ECB, European Central Bank, lowered interest rates to negative in 2014. So we've gone for six years and it has failed to work because they f- they just don't understand how the economy works. You know, it's it's all this idea of quantity of money and, and therefore that shouldn't produce inflation. It doesn't work that way. Um, it's... <clears throat> A question of confidence. If right now, you know, people don't know what the future is going to bring. And then you started, you know, charging negative rates in banks. So in Europe, they just pulled all the cash out. So they've been hoarding cash. Um, so uh, in the <clears throat> those in the United States keep saying, "Oh, well, the dollar has got to crash. They don't understand either. <laughs> the dollar is in such demand outside the United States in physical form. Uh, about 70 to 75% of all paper dollars are outside the United States because it's a hedge against their own currency. If Europe cancels the currency, which they're likely to do, then what are you going to do? Um, your best thing you have is paper dollars. So you see that the same thing in Asia and, uh, I mean, even in Russia, they were, you know, the black market was paper dollars. Uh, but in, in Europe, they're going to cancel the currency. Uh, and make it a digital uh, currency. And the main reason for this is that they are, the way they look at it, they wouldn't have an economic problem. Uh, it's all our fault. We don't pay our taxes, and we hide money offshore or whatever. Uh, so they are on a a global, uh, really, a, Assault. I mean, they've gone after tax havens, threatened to take them out of uh, the Swift system, so the whole country can't even do anything unless they turn over everybody. Uh, They paid bribes to Swiss banks to, you know, to uh, give up German names. Uh, You have such a a major effort uh, against (coughs) this sort of thing. Even you go to the Middle East, uh, the UAE just reorganized its central bank because they're under pressure if they do not turn over all Europeans, let them know any European that has an account down there, then they're going to be kicked out of the SWIFT system and that they've been given a deadline by the end of the year. So um, it really looks like we're probably going to see the cancellation of the currencies. I would say maybe going into year end or the first quarter. uh, Then you have a situation that people don't quite understand, you know, they, they think, oh, well, the central bank just, you know, can create whatever money. That's, you know, it, it, we've reached this, the point of no return. Um, there's nobody, no major institutions willing to buy debt in Europe at negative rates for 10 years. I mean, you lose money. You, you have to have pension funds. They need 8% to break even. Um, so Europe has gotten to the point that it has literally destroyed its bond market. Nobody will buy it. their are punters that will buy back and forth, but, you know, traders, but nobody's willing to buy any 10-year paper and stuck it away. It's Those days are gone. So um, our sources over there, because, I mean, I do talk to the parliament people over there. I mean, <clears throat> we get, they pre- present ideas to us and fly it up the flagpole and what your computer say, whatever. Um, <clears throat> what they will do in Europe, um, I see no other choice at this stage in the game. Uh, they won't default on the debt. What they will do is they will reclassify it and call it perpetual. So <clears throat> you'll never be able to redeem it, um, and they will just pay you minimal interest rates on whatever you know uh, bonds you had. And that's basically what's going to be. It's going to be like the old British console. Um, so there'll be a
0: black market and there'll be trading and that sort of thing. But um, So you don't see a revaluation of the currencies against like something like gold? No. Um, you,
1: I know a lot of people think, oh, the gold standard, you, it, it has never worked. The reason is very simple. You can't fix the value of money and then allow everything else to float. Uh, you want Wage increases, you expect your house to go up. I mean, it. It just think of it. I mean, if you only have a fixed amount of gold, then how can everything else float but not the gold price? That's why Bretton Woods broke. You know, they fixed it at thirty-five dollars, and every time any government has tried to create some sort of standard of that nature, fixing rates, et cetera, they always break because you have a business cycle and. You can't have the currency value fixed and everything else floats. I mean, if there's a shortage in wheat, no price of wheat's going to go up. Um, so you, you really have to look at things from that perspective. And in any kind of a standard, I don't care if it's gold, if it's seashells, or, or whatever you want to do, just trying to peg rates, they always break. Um, <clears throat> the Swiss franc, I mean, I met with them. I would say maybe 30 days before the the Swiss uh, euro peg broke. And again, they put in these academics. I had a, a meeting with them and I said, look, the peg is going to break. You, you can't do this. And they said, well, we think we can, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, the odds are on my side. I said, nobody's ever been able to do this. Remember that, you know, the pound peg and Soros made so much money. And, you know, and they just look at it, Yeah, but we're going to be able to do it. And it broke within about 30 days. Um you know, it. they don't understand it from a trading perspective. If I want, say I got a trillion dollars, I say, okay, fine, you got a peg. I put it, I trade it, I put a trillion dollars on. If I lose, I get my money back. All right. If I'm right, I make a fortune because they're guaranteeing the other side of the trade. Um And this is, I try to explain this to academics, but if they've never traded, they don't just, their eyes
0: glass over martin in your own assets and investing where do you go for a safe haven
1: look i think that you have to be at this stage in the game very nimble uh i don't think you're going to be able to find any sort of a safe haven if it's money or if it's a place to live (laughs) or whatever
0: not even precious metals
1: no i i would say on the precious metals you have to understand what these people are doing they understand gold uh and if they're moving to cancel currencies and go fully electronic, they will go after all the cryptocurrencies. Uh, they're going after gold. You can't hop on a plane like you did, um, you know, 20 years ago with a few rolls of $20 gold piece. They'll confiscate it. Um, so they are definitely taking direct action against it. That doesn't mean it doesn't go up in value whatever, but, you know, it's going to become more of a black market. Uh, as far as actually being able to use it uh, in society, I think silver will probably be better. Uh, and I would recommend the silver coins because you, you have to look at it from a perspective of the average person. All right. Uh, not somebody who's familiar with precious metals or whatever. And say, oh, yeah, I know this is a bar of silver or gold or whatever. Um, but. <clears throat> You know, the average person in the store. I mean, look, here's a quarter and they know, OK, 1963, I, those are silver. So that, that'll be worth something simple that the average person can knows what it is. Um, if you put it in a silver bar, they don't know. Um, so I think the, the old coins actually will probably have more of a premium.
0: But I mean. And with that advice, Martin, are you expecting somewhat of a Mad Max scenario? in the future that we would have to move to that barter economy versus the the degree of stability that we have now?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, the stability is, is collapsed. Um, I mean, just look at the politics at at this stage in the game. Um, I mean this, even, you know, if you voted for Obama or against them, it doesn't matter. Nobody stood up and said, he's not my president at this stage in the game. Um, I mean, you had Hillary calling anybody that voted for Trump deplorable, uh, it's become so hostile, so toxic. Um, you know, it's they've created hatred between the two. I mean, you have one university, uh, Georgetown University, put out a, a paper saying anybody that's conservative is a racist. I mean, what is this stuff? I mean, how do you put a country back together again? There is no coming together. You've created enemy, um, And it, it's very, very bad. And civilization works because... Everybody benefit. All right, so you come together, and that's what creates the Roman Empire or whatever. When government becomes abusive, and then it thinks that it is the creator, and then we are just the sheep to be exploited, then it reverses, and this is the process that we're in now. Um, So you see people running around buying RVs to get out of the cities. All right, it's same thing happened in Rome. Rome peaked in. With a million population, it fell to 15,000. Because of the corruption and the abuse of, of government, people were just forced to walk away and leave their houses. Um, you can't take them with you. So, I mean, this is, I don't know if we're going to go back that far. But as far as um, coming together, those days are gone. I mean, we have a higher probability of the United States breaking up rather than, uh, anything else. And with this election coming up, how hostile it's become and toxic. Neither side is going to accept the other side winning.
0: But if Joe Biden is declared the winner, uh, what will the market reaction be?
1: The dollar's probably going to go down into the elections because people are going to be afraid that Trump will lose. The, the big concern uh, among The knowing money crowd, I would say, uh, um, is that if Biden wins, what they have been doing behind the curtain is promising these states, if they keep people locked down so that that Trump will lose, they'll completely bail them out. All pensions, everything. So there's a a very serious concern that if um, the Democrats win, that it's just going to go completely not. So this is why, the, you know, the dollar is under pressure going into probably October. Uh, and that's what we're going to see at this stage until we get to the election. Um, now, either way, what we're looking at longer term, Europe is in far worse shape than the United States. And so is Japan. They've at least wiped out their their, their bond market. So <clears throat> The the first round of crises that you're going to see economically are going to be outside the United States. So that will then tend to push money uh, fleeing into the United States, and then that will probably last at best maybe two years. Then after that, they're going to turn and say, "Okay, fine. I guess the U.S. is next." Um, so. That's why I said there's no real safe haven. You're going to see wild swings, probably on a two-year basis of, of um, oscillations. Then you add, we do have um, going into solar minimums, so that's usually periods where you have uh, problems in growing crops, etc. Uh, then this uh, all these lockdowns, um, <clears throat> I mean, they can't be this stupid, and, and this is why... You know, the, the view is that they're just counting on trying to defeat Trump. And the Democrats already were proposing to bail out all pension funds of the states. Uh, and Trump kind of knocked that down.
0: But Martin, what would be your outlook on the commodities then? What should we expect as investors when we look at the commodity markets?
1: Commodities are going to rise um, from, through your ags, etc. Because not only have you have the the natural global cooling cycle coming in um, but this virus and social distancing and lockdowns etc um, we're seeing shortages in food and um, I mean there have been guys on YouTube showing they had to kill over 30,000 chickens because they can't get it to you know couldn't get them to market and um, I put on our blog I mean it was like a mountain of potatoes they just had to shovel them into into the ground uh, they can't get them to market. So you've destroyed a lot of small farmers. So this is why there's a rise in food prices starting already. It will be more excessive in Europe than the United States. But um, so commodities should particularly rise quite sharply, uh, going between 22 and into like 2024. Um, So, you know, we've got shortages, which these people have accelerated by these lockdowns, etc., which is shut down the farmers and the distribution uh, chain. I mean, it's. I mean, you you would think honestly that these politicians would go, "Oh, gee, we didn't realize that." I mean, you have Tennessee saying, "Oh, we lost so much money in taxes. We're going. They're going to raise property taxes thirty to thirty five percent." Like we always have to pay for their mistakes, and this is what is really behind. Uh, The rally in gold, etc. Gold rallied into 1980 simply because the confidence in government under Jimmy Carter collapsed. That inflation was here. That was it. Um, But that inflation was different. It was being uh, basically created by the uh, OPEC, that everything that was plastic suddenly started rising dramatically. Um, This time the real crisis is that these people have been borrowing every year with no intention of ever paying anything back. And um, if interest rates actually were a free market, I mean, they would be declaring bankruptcy. They couldn't pay the interest. So it's, uh, I mean, you can look at our site. We've published charts on it. The cumulative interest has often reached as much as 70% of the national debt. It's just interest. Um, so it wasn't like borrowing money to create schools and roads and bridges and things. It's just to keep it rolling. So we've, we've gotten to the point that, you know, those days are gone. Uh, they can't borrow more and they can't keep it rolling. So we're, we're looking at, uh, really, I mean, honestly, you would, you would call it a default, but, um, it's, it's all in the, in the words. I mean, the city of, uh, Detroit, suspended their payment in 1937 they made them good they started paying it back off in 1963 all right so they stand out oh we've never defaulted all right fine. you know you didn't get anything for that long long period of time um italy uh this why I, I caution people about government debt Buy corporate AAA debt stay away from all levels of government because italy you had 90-day paper they couldn't pay They simply say, okay, fine, and they converted it to 10-year paper. Now, nobody in the private sector can do that, but they got the guns, they got the tanks. What are you going to do? Government never honors its word, so... um, you know, you just have to look at this from a realistic standpoint.
0: And Martin, how, how should we look at the Dow? Because you've been in, on record saying 40,000 Dow with everything that we're talking about. Is that still your projection?
1: Yeah, that that's further out. I mean, if you go out to like 2032, it could be up to as high as 60 some thousand. But the question is, what is 60,000 in terms of currency uh, at that point in time?
0: Um, and where would gold be at if it's Dow 60,000? It,
1: you, you know, it, it could be up dramatically five to even 10. Um, but you have, dollars. Yeah, you have to understand that what will happen is when the confidence starts to break. And why will the Dow go up and things of this nature and, and commodities or gold or whatever? It's when people realize that. It is a high risk for anything relative to government, that they are the problem. Then all private assets go up. That's the same thing in German hyperinflation, whatever. If you had art, you had land or whatever, you survived. If you didn't have anything tangible, you didn't. Um, so it's it's along those lines. So what we're going to look at is the bond market outweighs the stock market almost 10 to 1. It doesn't take that much money to come and people realize um, that the bond market is really the, the big problem. Now, uh, the I mean, I can recommend you can get it online. Um, Herbert Hoover's memoirs. Just read 1931. Um, when I was starting research, I mean, it opened my eyes. Nowhere in school did they ever tell you that the Great Depression had anything to do with government. Um, Galbraith's book, The Great Crash, whatever I had to read in high school. I mean, it's a joke. It's a communist manifesto, basically, blaming everything on corporations. Nowhere in his book did he ever say that all, virtually all of Europe, Asia and South America permanently defaulted on their debt. Permanently in 1931. Read Herbert Hoover. He's got letters going back and forth um, <clears throat> between heads of state. Please help us, etc. cetera. Uh, our barn markets are being attacked. Uh, and he said um, that capital acted like a loose cannon on the deck of a ship in the middle of a hurricane. He said it was shooting off in every which direction so fast they couldn't even form a committee to understand what was happening. That is very similar to what happened after Greece defaulted in 2010. Uh, the traders attacked it. They made a lot of money. What did they do? Oh, who's next? Oh, Portugal. Look at that. Yeah. And they started attacking Portugal. Then it was Spain and Italy, then France. I mean, this is the way capital moves. So once you, you see this, uh, and that's why I stress to get out of government debt. Because it doesn't matter. Some people say, oh, yeah, but I got these muni bonds, they're tax-free, and that city's okay. It doesn't matter. They will sell everything across the board. So you're going to look at capital leaving the bond market. Some of it's going to go to gold. Some of it's going to go to stock market. Some of it will go to real estate. Uh, but everybody has their own little... A particular area to go to. But um, that's what makes the Dow go up or the gold go up. And I've also have warned that people misconstrue a lot of these things and they say, oh, well, you know, if the Dow is going to go up, then gold should go down. No, they will both go up together. Uh, You see it even right now. Gold has been going up and the stock market's been going up. They're not against each other. If people don't trust government, what do you do? You get out and You basically go to real estate, stocks, or commodities. That's pretty much it. So um, this time, it's government that is really in trouble. Uh, It's not the corporation side. It's the government side. And they're just in a wholesale, complete um, situation where they're going to fail on a global scale. And once you get the first crack, then the capital, the traders are going to go, oh, Let's look. Who's going to be next? And that's the way it will happen. Same way as Greece to end, same way as 1931, what Hoover was explaining. Um, the French started shorting the Austrian bonds. Germany tried to sh- to support Austria. The French started shorting the German bonds. Britain came in to support Germany. French turned on the—it <laughs> was World War II in the financial markets. Uh, Britain had to suspend all gold payments. I mean, they eventually went back, but they had to suspend. Uh, so it's that's really what was going on. I mean, I strongly, you know, advise reading 1931 because uh, that's basically what we face.
0: Well, Martin, thank you for your insights today. For those that aren't familiar with your work, uh, what will listeners find at ArmstrongEconomics.com?
1: Well, we try to keep the site open. You don't have to register or anything like that. Um, a lot of these things are. I've tried to to put out a a book on manipulating the world economy, going through all these different uh, antics that they've done. It's it's available on Amazon. Um, I think it's in the third printing. It just keeps selling out, (laughs) but... Uh, It it goes into everything. I mean, it's the quantity of money, all the, you know, Brenton Woods, all the attempts to to how they try to manipulate society and how they always fail.
0: All right. The website again is armstrongeconomics.com. Martin, thank you for coming on today's show and sharing your insights. It's much appreciated.
1: Well, thank you for inviting me.
0: The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts, might cost 50 or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances